So today we're talking about Holiday Hell. We are. And uh, how did you get involved with this production? How did I what? I didn't miss, I missed that. How did you get involved with this production? Well, the, the best way possible. Uh, my agent called and said, I have an offer for you. <laughs> Those are always the best ones. <laughs> so it was, um, just, it was just, we want we want Jeff Combs, and that's it. Well, that's right. And, um, and uh, I was glad to uh, entertain the idea and... Um, and read the script and uh, talked with the director and felt good about it. And, um, and uh, the rest is uh, on film, I guess. <laughs> uh, what role do you play in the film? I play the shopkeeper. Uh, the premise of the story is a woman is looking for a special gift for her sister, finds this curiosity shop, Christmas Eve, almost closing time. She begs me to please stay open so she can find something. And I tell her, well, my shop is very unique. Most of all of the things in here, I don't sell anything that doesn't have a story behind it. And, and I guess, uh, oh, this go is ahead. a I'm wonderful sorry. way to have a wraparound for uh, an, an anthology, you know. So she becomes interested in something and I go now that's an interesting story and of course we dissolve in and tell that story so it's um, it's lovely you know it's a, it's a great premise it's a great um, you know frame to tell four short scary stories that are sort of uh, that, are, that are based in the holidays and uh, and of course, the wraparound also has a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a twist at the end. Uh, are are you involved directly with this twist? Oh well, yes, because <laughs> it's a wraparound. So it's uh, let's just say she's not she's not who I think she is, or she's not been telling me the whole truth. Ah. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to spoil the story at all, so I'll try to stay away from that. Oh. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, how did how did you enjoy the whole production? Oh, I enjoyed it tremendously. I, I, I one of the big um, extra uh, lures for this project for me was that it was going to be shot in Seattle, and. Way back when, uh, I went to school at the University of Washington. And so Seattle is uh, near and dear to my heart. And so the notion of working, uh, doing a film, interesting role, nice, good, kind director, and, uh, and a chance to uh, see some old places that, uh, from my past, uh, it can't beat it. Uh, as as far as how you prepare for a role, how do you go about that, or do you just basically just, just show up and just follow the director, or do you take some time to really kind of immerse yourself with whatever role you've gotten? Uh, it varies, but all prep is always very important. You have to prep; you can't just wing it. Um, uh, lines are not. Uh, 
you have to rehearse, you have to memorize, <laughs> and uh, that's not always the easiest thing. So that's how you immerse through the words and the situation, and and you try to keep it open because you never know what you're going to uh, encounter once you're there on location on the set. You go, oh, oh, I see. Well. What I thought I was going to do, I can't because of that. So you have to be uh, prepared and flexible. Uh, how do you improve yourself as an actor over the years? Uh, I'm not sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this. I think I, I would say that like, hopefully like wine, you, as you age, you get better mm -hmm. and more complex, with different notes coming in. Of course, you lose things. You lose uh, things that you used to have, like more physicality or uh, um, or other things. But for the most part, um, just experience mm -hmm. really sort of helps you to to get through, you know, I've done this before, whatever comes up, I'm, I've experienced something like it in the past. And so I can go with it. <laughs> um, experience really helps and training, you know, mm -hmm. I just really don't know how young actors can be on set and, um, staring at their phones until they say, okay, we're ready to shoot and then put them down. And I just don't know how they do that. <laughs> I, I've seen it on lots of set visits I've been on. <laughs> it, it happens so often that I don't know how they just jump right into character. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure they do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think what they're probably doing is just playing themselves and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It really is. But, I like a little more focus than that. I like a little more um, examination and uh, prep. Like, mm -hmm. I just can't. Believe me, I'll go to my trailer and I'll look at my phone, but uh, I'll also look at my script a hell of a lot. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, I really everybody's can't think... different. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really can't think of any roles that I've seen you in where it's a carbon copy of a role you've played before, uh, aside from aside from Herbert West, who's a, a specific character, but when I see you in Star Trek or when I see you in like something like Faust or something, you're always different. And... I'm always trying to be different. Right. Um, you know, I've turned down a lot of clone roles, I would say, where someone says, hey, we want you, Jeff, and um, I get the script, and it's like, oh, well, what you want is Herbert West. You want to lab coat and I'm running around with a needle and um, uh, <laughs> let me think now I, I figured that would get very stale very quick if, if typecasting was that specific and believe me it is rampant on our business um, once you're known for one thing that's it you know because people really do not have a whole lot of imagination there are so many so many actors and, uh, and, and, and to keep track of them. They just label them. 
it, it happens in reality television too. I can tell you that firsthand. My wife and I have been in a, a few reality shows, and they look for a very specific type. And once they find like the big goofy bald guy, like we want you to play big boofy goofy bald guy in this reality show, quote unquote reality show. <laughs> reality show, but really they want the prototype. <laughs> it know? is it is some of the most scripted stuff I've ever seen. Of course it is. <laughs> Of course so, it is. Yeah, that, that's why I just, I can't do the acting. I'm not that good at it to begin with, and and I just don't want everyone to see me as just a big, dumb guy when I'm, you know, a college-educated writer. <laughs> yeah, I get um, it. So, when, when, you look, uh, when you look at, like, a production as a whole, when you're offered something, uh, what are some specific traits you look in uh, for the director or for, uh, you know... Uh, art direction or anything do you have any specific like kind of caveats you have when you're looking at a production that you want to be involved in uh very specific traits for those people well i suppose you know you want to talk to the director and see where his head's at what his vision is how he's going to approach it that'll give you a good idea of the overall mm-hmm. um as far as uh the only way that you could really grasp like what are your production values i suppose is say what's your budget Mm -hmm. because the budget will tell you what they have to work with i will say and that's not really the case on this production but i will say that i have seen over the years sort of a degrading of the uh positions that are on set now everybody has who has a laptop and a camera can be called a, quote, filmmaker, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's dangerous because, you know, I've been offered things and then I show up and I go, where is the script supervisor? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I had the shovel in my right hand but I, on the last uh, coverage, but I'm not sure. Oh, we don't have a script supervisor. <laughs> You don't. (laughs) So you, you know, this tried and true position that keeps you out of trouble when you're in editing, where you've shot stuff and you go, shit, he has the shovel in the other hand. Why didn't anybody catch that? That's what that person's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so you're better than all of the experience before you determining it, you don't need that position. Hmm. And to me, that is just going backwards. Do you feel it's it's going to get progressively worse now that YouTube is kind of edging into the entertainment market in a big way? Well, no. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's... Uh, it gets that way on two different ways. People call themselves filmmakers, and all they really have is money and no experience. Mm-hmm. That's when they kind of start justifying, we don't need that, we don't need that. Why would we need that? Um, and the other is, um, you know, people getting into producing these things, and they've never done it before, and they have no experience, and they don't hire people who have. Mm-hmm. And they start rationalizing that they don't need these things. We don't need all those lights, do we? <laughs> We're going to be outside. You know, and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. 
wait, 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 wait. It, do you think this just happens beautifully on its own? Because it doesn't. Um, it takes work and skill. Uh, and um, that scares me because uh, if you want to do something, you should do try to do it as well as you can. So, yeah, don't don't go on Amazon and buy a couple of uh, diffusers and a couple cheap studio lights and a reflector and think you're going to get yeah. uh, great cinematography. Cutting corners is exactly you. You can imagine what you get when you start cutting corners. Mm -hmm. You start telling yourself, "Nah, we can do without that." And then the next thing you know, you go, "Oh God, this looks cheesy." Well, you made decisions. Now right. you're living with them. <laughs> yeah, uh, for the longest time when I wrote for Dread Central, uh, most of the movies I would review would be that. Very direct-to-video, very cheaply shot, no passion, just someone bought a $2,000 camera and had yep. their friends help them, and they got a distribution deal, and it, it showed at the end product. Well, of course it did, because, you know, the writer doesn't know how to write, the director isn't really a director, the actors aren't really actors, uh Everybody's just cosplaying here. I mean, you got to have experience somewhere, but you know, it's yeah, not going to make any money with this dynamic. So, good luck on your next one, I guess. <laughs> There's a reason why good filmmakers are, are lauded as good filmmakers because they have the experience, they have the talent. You just can't manufacture that by reading a book or watching a how to video. Yeah. You know, I go to, um, I go to, um, conventions sometimes, you know, personal appearances. And I got guys come up to me and they go, hey, man, uh, listen, we're, we're filmmakers. We've made three films, and we would love it if you'd be in our first one. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> and I go, well, <laughs> first of all, are your movies SAG? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> are your what movies SAG? SAG? I've heard that so many times. Oh, no, 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 man. We don't do that. I go, well, then we got a problem, man. Because uh, <laughs> I can't do non-union work. I get in trouble. And mm -hmm. first of all, there's a reason why it's a union. It protects me. You guys are just, this is amateur. But you're walking around with your chest out like you're, you know, cock of the walk. It's like, <laughs> see you later. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how many times you get hit up at cons for for that kind of stuff. It's, I, th I think all I think all uh, icons in a genre get that. I, I know Kane Hodder's gotten it a few times. He's told me, and uh, Gunnar Hansen used to get it all the time before he passed away. People would just be yeah. like, "We got five hundred dollars. Can you be in it as a walk on?" Yeah, that's great, but that's gonna ruin his whole career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, good for you, not so much for me. Yeah. And then, you know what I love afterwards? Then, 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 then they walk away and probably say to each other, what an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm the problem, right? <laughs> yeah, and you're trying to be the, as accommodating, as nice as possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be as nice as possible and let them down easy, kind of enlighten them a little bit, and it, does, it just doesn't, kind of doesn't work. Yeah, that, uh, it's unfortunate because people really... Some people just have a great vision, but they need to really take those steps to get it to the point where you can hire a a name Hollywood actor. I mean, it's just unfortunately, uh, 
Some people just don't have the patience. <laughs> or they don't have the self-knowledge that they, do, they don't know what they don't know. They think they got mm-hmm. it handled, you know? Yeah. That's why I brought up the, the issue of YouTube is because now everyone feels like they're empowered to make uh, something and that they should be taken seriously because they have a certain number of people that follow them. That's great, but... That's a different kind of talent. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I say. That's a different kind of talent. You know? People that can self-promote are not always the most talented people. They're mm-hmm. just talented at self-promoting. Look at mm-hmm. the Kardashians. <laughs> what do you do? What's your talent? Can you sing? No. Can you dance? No. Can you act? No. Can you write? No. So what's the talent that makes you multi-multi-millionaires? This is what I don't get. This is what I don't understand. And what frightens me is that the vast swath of America just gobbles that banal nonsense up. And I don't understand. There's a value there. Yeah. I think when I when I was when my wife and I were on the the shows we were on, we could kind of understand that it's made for a very specific kind of audience, not the audiences that we're used to. Uh, you as an actor in, in in genre films and me as a writer for them, it, we know who we're going for, and those t- reality TV people know that the trashier it gets, you get that very specific audience, and it's numerous this audience, but. Yeah, you have to pander specifically for it. You need that, that right amount of drama. It's like soap operas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Poe po had a great quote, I say, in my one-man show. He said, you know, uh, he said, you know, he, he was a he was the editor of magazines as well as mm-hmm. being a writer. And he says, you know, I get pressured by publishers to puff up dreary, soporific efforts by popular writers whose very popularity is the proof of their indifferent talents. I think I, yeah, I, I, w- I was thinking about that, that applies to something that I've been asked to do in the past, uh, writing for sites to uh, yeah <laughs> i don't i don't want i don't want to name the names of the the studios cuz they're really big but yeah it's i've been asked to do something similar to to laud upon praise where it's laud undeserving on something that's mediocre y- yes <laughs> i mean just go to the bookstore mm-hmm. go to the bookstore and look at like the top 10 uh top selling novels a lot of them are like didn't that guy have a book out like three weeks ago and now he's got another one and (laughs) how good can they be when it's like a like a like a they're coming out of them like a freight train i mean i i I, it can't be good it just it's got to be kind of a pablum it's it's like fast food Mm -hmm. uh so yeah, it sells books, but it's not, you know. Uh, so, you know, we're surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing we can do about it. 
Yep. That's why I'm I'm glad that I get to get these chances to talk to actual actors, <laughs> actual well, professionals. You're, you know, when I do my post show, I mean, it teaches me that this isn't anything new. Poe mm-hmm. was dealing with it. I mean, the irony of it is, is that Poe died a pauper. Mm-hmm. He died a poor, penniless man. And in his day, there were a slew of writers far more popular than him, richer, living comfortably, and we don't know their names now. Mm-hmm. And if we read their stuff, we'd go, oh, God, that's not very good. And yet it was far more popular than Poe's work. It's so, like walking walking into a bookstore and seeing shelf after shelf of bad romance novels or bad like uh, romance no- novels for younger readers that were really popular a few years ago. And then you get to the actual sections where you're expecting to find good authors and they're barren or they have one copy of the book and don't restock it. Or they're on the it. bottom shelf where you mm-hmm. have to go searching into the shelves with everything else. Is that they're not... They're not rising to the top. The best does not always rise to the top. <laughs> it gets buried because there's another agenda here. Someone's really good. Uh, it's like the power of a publishing house or it's power of the savvy writer or it's who's connected to who or who's married to who or who's whose cousin. Uh, you know, sometimes I see books and I go, how did that even get a, how did that even get published? Who cares? Right, I I agree. It's... Look at the guy who wrote the Confederacy of Dunces. I'm unfamiliar with that book. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! Read it, Confederacy of Dunces. A Confederacy of Dunces. I don't remember his name, but he was a gifted writer. He 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 passed around his his uh, manuscript and was turned down by every publication house and he killed himself. Oh, Jesus. And his mother, in honor of him, uh, tried to get it published and once it was published, it exploded. It exploded and it's now a, a, a literary classic. Uh, well, J.K. Rowling, you know, she was turned down by over a, you know, a hundred publishing houses. Mm-hmm. Just like no, yeah, thank you, no rejection, 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 rejection. Uh, you know, she persevered. That guy was too sensitive and couldn't. Okay. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's uh, even though I I don't write in a uh, I, I don't write novels or stories that get published like that. I write articles <laughs> yeah, but, but then you read other people's articles that are yeah. far more established than you and you go why why does it oh, well, you know that's not always the case you read and go oh i see why this guy's on the level that he's at because he's really good mm-hmm. but a lot of the time you go i don't get it and same with actors i turn on the tv and i go how come i didn't go out on this yep i didn't even hear about this it's uh, the, depressing for me to go to a movie. Mm-hmm. I sit there and go, well, but 
I didn't go out on this. I could have done that. I could have done that. <laughs> this is rigged, man. <laughs> uh, well, the author it's all of... packaged. It's all packaged. I mean, these he... big talent agencies are in bed with the big studios, and they just cross-pollinate. And you want the big star? Use 10 of my... Uh, of, of, of my, um, you, you know, of my livestock here, and um, and, and I'll, I'll give them to you at a good price, but you got to hire 10 more of my clients, and then we're good. Uh, interesting. I didn't know that uh, the talent agencies work like that. I will, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, I would love for someone to do a, uh, to do a, a, a research of the cast of characters cast of the actors in a movie and figure out who represents them and see. Like, oh, oh, I see. This is a William Morris movie. Oh, this is an innovative movie I see here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It'd be really... I, I, yeah, I do often talk to uh, PR... Uh, not PR companies, I'm sorry. Uh, talent agencies when I'm scheduling interviews for, for other other yeah. bigger, better writers. So I'd be interested to start putting that in Excel spreadsheet and just seeing what productions, what, what, uh, what talent agency and what actor all kind of like trickle together and become a common factor. I just don't factor. think it's the meritocracy. I don't think it's a meritocracy. It can be, it can be, you know, kind of one of the reasons why I like, I like baseball. Uh, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if you're good, you play. If you're not, and your uncle is, it doesn't matter. You're not going to play. Yeah, because the proof is going to be out there for everybody to see. Right. And it's not so, you know, it's a lot harder for everybody else. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, we we did a lot of venting here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, do, do whatever you can for uh, Holiday Hell. Um, will do. Jeff Farrell's a good guy, and it's uh, got a little small little release here before he goes to streamland so um you know give him a little love okay of course uh anytime jeff uh thank you very much um before you go i i did want to relay this this story um when i was when i was very young in the in the early 80s uh, my mom worked at a vhs rental shop so uh-huh. instead of sending me to daycare they would just let me sit in the back and watch movies and right. when I when I was six was the first time I saw Reanimator. No, and, I corrupted you, dude. <laughs> and for the Halloween the following year, I did dress up as Herbert West. Nice. Uh, mainly because the the studio sent this like PR thing that had a had Doctor Hill's head in a tin, and it was just it was some PR thing they gave us, and I was like, I'm just going to walk around with that at Halloween and get my candy. So they nice. would just fill up the tray with Hill's head in it with candy and it was a great haul. That's so... a great haul. So you just had the tray. The... Yeah. That's great. I so, still yeah. have um, I still have a, a paperweight, a lead paperweight yes. of, it's all gray, it's not painted, mm-hmm. of Dr. Hill in a pan, and it was mm-hmm. a little, um, it was a little uh, gimme that they gave to video stores that would buy a particular package, like, you know, four copies or whatever of Reanimator. So on one side it said, 
you know, reanimator on the other side. It says Destron Video. Mm-hmm. I've seen a picture of that. I wish I could get one. That, yeah. that would be amazing. Someone but... said on eBay that thing's 140 bucks. 